and welcome to Rhymes Against Humanity with Adam Brodsky. I am your host, Dave Zinkoff. Interesting week we had last week. Uh, first of all, Merle Haggard died on his birthday, which according to uh, Hebrew uh, traditions, that makes, uh, that makes him a tzaddik, or it's maybe all four legs. If it has four legs, it's a dog, but if it has if it's a dog, it has four. Anyway, I'm not sure whether that automatically qualifies him as a tzaddik, uh, um, uh, but uh, eh, as good as, as good a shot as any, uh, um, Susie died at the age of 79 on his 79th birthday, um, and so uh, uh, we're not really going to talk about that. Also, uh, this was uh, the 41st anniversary of um, of uh, Phil Oakes losing his uh, uh, long struggle with folk music. Um, uh, but we're not going to discuss that either. I had prepared a fellow. And also Tom Lehrer had a birthday turning 500 or whatever. And Tom Lehrer is, of course, uh, uh, as I said uh, to a friend of mine, Tom Lehrer is uh, um, the best that ever was or will be. And I will stand on Bob Dylan's coffee table in my boots and say that. Um, but none of that we're going to discuss. We are instead going to discuss the Philadelphia 76ers because... Uh, I don't really give a fuck about. I, I I give very few fucks about basketball, as we'll discuss. But uh, but the Sixers over the past nine or ten days have gone completely insane. It, like it's like a it's like a Saddam Hussein 1979 coup over there, uh, complete with uh, grainy footage. Um, and so I wanted to wrap my head around it. So I. Uh, um, we're going to have a conversation with uh, Jim Adair from Crossing Broad, who really uh, uh, spelled it out for the five-year-old in me who doesn't understand much about the NBA. So I thought it was a fascinating conversation. And then at the end, I got a John Byrne song for you. The John Byrne band put out a new record, and uh, um, and here we're going to we're going to go out with a song of that. But but before that, let's uh, uh, big surprise. I disagree with Stephen A. Smith. Sam Hinkie should never be a general manager in a sport again. It is just that simple. Sam Hinkie is a poor man's version of Phil Jackson. The only thing more disgraceful, I'm sorry, nothing, I apologize. Nothing was more disgraceful than Sam Hinkie's performance as an executive. But the only thing close to to being that disgraceful was the city of Philadelphia, a proud sports town, who was so numb to his alarming level of ineptitude that they didn't even react to how awful this team was, okay? That's that that's the crime in it all because this passionate city where I worked for for 17 years should be ashamed of itself even tolerating Sam Hinkie this long. He should never, ever, ever in this lifetime be a general manager again. And we are good to go. We are on. All right, cool. So, uh, okay, so... Last week's podcast was uh, is was sporty, as you know, because uh, 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 Hebner came in and and talked about baseball songs, and we, we put up a whole bunch of baseball songs. So unfortunately, uh, we're straying away from music a little bit uh, in this segment as well, because those of you who know me know that would probably know that it's not that I don't give a fuck about basketball, but I don't give many like maybe a fuck and a half tops Fair. and that's when they're when they're good mm-hmm. and they've been so bad for so long that I just sort of tuned out and I was like okay if they get good again I'll care again and yep. of the four it's usually my bottom uh, depending on if there's a bunch of hockey fights then hockey drops to the bottom sure. because it's like wrestling but yeah. uh, um, so but anyway mm-hmm. uh, so here's what happened is my friend Joe sent me uh, the he sent me the 13 page letter that Hinky right. sent yes. to uh, which seems to me that that letter was oh first of all Hi, Hi. <laughs> I'm here with Jim Adair, who uh, who used to work with I used to work with him at, at Celebrity, and mm-hmm. now he is uh, he works at CrossingBroad.com. Yep. Uh, 
um, uh, as a title to be term- determined later, according to you. Yeah, no official title. I've been there for uh, it'll be coming up on two years in the summer. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. So, but but so you're posting on Philly sports and, yeah. and sports every day. Yes. So so good. Um, so and you are like, as far as I'm concerned, in my Twitter feed, you are my Sixers expert. Okay. Yeah. I I, I kind of did take that on as a bit of my focus because uh, where my four kind of lie, it's Phillies first. Uh, then uh, Sixers slash generally NBA. Okay. Uh, and then football and then hockey. I was never really a hockey guy, so. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and uh, uh, and for people, uh, uh, you are the guy who said, and this is the perfect thing, I use it whenever Ray Lewis comes on TV. You are the guy that said Ray Lewis is like a four-year-old at a two-year-old's birthday party. Yeah, it's, uh, he's a special guy that Ray yeah. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, uh, so when the Sixers last week, uh, oh, this past week, have gone batshit crazy. Yes. Well... And- the whole slowly gone batshit crazy behind the scenes for the last few months, and we just found out about it. Basically. Okay, yeah. all right. So, uh, so my friend Joe sent me. He said, "Read this," and mm-hmm. I read Hinky's thirteen-page letter, yes. which clearly seemed to me was not meant for the for the owners that he sent it to. It was really meant for the public to read. There, yeah, there's some uh, differing opinions on that, but I think it could have honestly gone um, either way. Hinky is a, a famously private uh, person. Okay. Um, but if I was him, I'd, I would have not even sent the news. I would have sent it right out to the public. There were some digs and shots taken in there, which are kind of against his public character, at least. Uh, so when I read those, I was like, maybe maybe it's right. Maybe he didn't leak this himself. Um, because he also has like never leaked anything to anybody. Oh, okay. So, uh, and that was... Uh, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. But that was... Um, that's kind of Jerry Colangelo's calling card is the... Friendly to the oh. media, leaking information. Thing. Okay, so 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 there's the, there's the uh, the foreshadowing. Yeah. Now, I want you in a few minutes to explain. Just tell me what the fu- how did this whole thing get started? Because it has the thing that intrigued me was I read the letter mm-hmm. and all this after reading the letter. Now I was a Hinky fan like three right. days after he quit. Sure. Because it's got a Moneyball feel to it. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely no one's ever accused him of being not weird. He's definitely <laughs> a weird guy. Uh, he's a smart guy. He is. Um, from the uh, venture capital sector. Okay. Uh, he used to work at Bain Capital, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, he um, has always been kind of that, uh, you know, his, his history has been kind of private. Not much is known about him, uh, you know, going back to his college days. And um, I believe it was Tom Moore, who is a Sixers beat writer for the Bucks County Courier Post or Courier Times, I think, uh, who did a piece right before this all happened about Sam Hinkie's high school basketball career, uh, and he called Hinky, and Hinky said, I'd rather you not write about this, I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> and then Moore tracked down his coaches and teammates, so he finally kind of gave him a quote, and he said, Tom Moore said he shot him a text, said like, hey, nice work on that, like, I didn't give you nothing, and you still turned out a really good piece, so. Okay. He's famously kind of private about that kind of stuff, but. So, yeah. so he, uh, so the Sixers are, have been losing, so he gets the job in 2013. Yes. As a GM, was that his name? Uh, well. General manager and president of bas- basketball operations. I'm not entirely sure um, if when he came on, if he was handed both titles or if the, he was handed president uh, of basketball operations title. Okay. And which is the de facto GM. Right. Uh, I'm not sure when or even if, honestly, the GM title was ever officially placed on him, but he was the general manager. Okay. Yes. So so he gets this uh, this gig. The Sixers have been losing for for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets this gig, and now, the, uh, to the layman's approaches, you know, like, all I knew was Sixers are tanking to get draft picks, but explain to us the the, the, uh, the nuts and bolts of, of, of Hinky's philosophy, mm-hmm. and then I want you to talk about, because the NBA draft is like no other, and I can't make any fucking right. sense of it. It's yeah. like you, you got to roll an eight-sided die or something. Yeah, the NBA draft is uh, a very confusing lottery system, which I cannot even do a great job of explaining it, yeah. but I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, so Hinky. So, so Hinky came in in uh, 2013. He came from the Houston Rockets, who are one of the more forward-thinking um, organizations in basketball. 
uh, and he worked under Daryl Morey, who is currently the GM of the Rockets and whose job may currently also be in jeopardy. Uh, now, he came in um, in kind of the, the rubble that was left after the Sixers attempted the trade for Andrew Bynum. Who never played a, a never played a game. The game. Uh, he had bum knees, and he had there were effort questions about him, and all this stuff. He injured. He injured. He famously injured himself bowling uh, <laughs> while he was here. He never played a game for the Sixers. Afterwards, he played a handful of games here and there for the the Pacers and the Cavaliers, and he is now out of the league. He's only about twenty seven. Okay. He was a supreme talent. Uh, you know, just one of those guys who I always get the vibe from him. He's very big and very naturally talented at basketball. He just might not like it that much, which is always <laughs> a problem. So, Sam Hinkie was brought in. He was uh, one of uh, many finalists for the uh, GM gig. And he, if, I, if, I, if I'm going back correctly, this may not be incredibly accurate. He was a finalist for the GM gig before they went with the guy before him. Okay. And then he got the gig. Uh, he, you know, if his letter is to be believed, which I think there's no reason for it not to be believed. Uh, and it was pretty clear when he came in. He laid out his full plan. And the plan was... To be elite and to win a championship in the NBA, you need supreme talent. You need superstars. Right. Period. Uh, the last team to win without superstars uh, was the Pistons uh, in, in 10 or so years ago, uh, who won for many reasons, uh, pace of play, uh, that kind of stuff. Also, the Lakers were an absolute mess that year, and they beat them. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, they, they were a great team. So he came in and laid out basically... Uh, this is the nerd in him. I'm not sure how many people do this in GM interviews. He laid out like a PowerPoint. He had a whole explanation on how he pulled off uh, the James Harden trade, where James Harden was at the time sixth man of the year in Oklahoma City. They had uh, what people thought were like too many guns on one team. Uh, they kind of did a coup and got him for fairly cheap out of Oklahoma City. Uh, now he's the star in Houston, uh, MVP candidate. He think he won the MVP a few years ago. Uh, so that was kind of his point. Like this is what something that I, I did. That okay. we did in, in Houston. And he laid it out for them basically saying, look, if you commit to me as your GM and commit to this, this plan, the, the process as it became, <laughs> became known. As your t-shirts say. Uh, as, yes, as the one I'm wearing under the sweater right now <laughs> says. Uh, then we're not going to be good for a long time. We're going to be we're gonna be bad for a few years. But to be good in the long run in a market that is not New York or Los Angeles in the NBA, you got to be bad. you gotta you got to have a lot of luck. And the best way to get a lot of luck is to try on purpose to get a lot of luck. So you got to have high draft picks because you can't just... And you, a lot of them. Yes. And you got to hope that one of these guys is going to hit. Sam Hinkie called it, he called it optionality. Okay. So you give yourself as many options as possible, as many high draft picks as possible, and cross your fingers and do, do your due diligence and do all the things you can and hope that you land on a guy. Okay. That, that, that can be your guy going forward and then after he's... You know, you have an established young core with a star in the making. Then you start spending on free agents and bring people in. As uh, Josh Harris, the owner, who is now much uh, hated, uh, said in the um, press conference uh, introducing the new GM, uh, there are no shortcuts to the top. There are only shortcuts to the middle, which is, I think, is similar in baseball as well. Whereas if you have, you know, a 500 team and you go out and you spend on these free agents, you got a chance to win it all, but more more than likely, you're going to be a 10-game above 500 team. Right. And you're going to kind of float in mediocrity for a little while. Because as, as with all sports, which are all based on a 1-8 through eight playoff seeding, if you're a 7-8 seed, not only are you not going to get through the first or second round of the playoffs a lot, you're not going to attract those high free agents, and you're not going to get a high enough draft pick to turn your team around. Okay. So the idea was to, you know, quote-unquote tank, be bad for a while, uh, 
to But being... these guys were never trying to lose every night. They, no, they just... no, 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 no. Okay. The the team was built to not win enough games where a, a, a lottery pick, a high lottery pick, would be out of the ordinary. Okay. But the players themselves are playing their heart out every night. Right. They, I mean, even this year when they're, it's, they're probably the worst of the three years of the, the process, mm-hmm. they almost beat Golden State. They lost on a, a that buzzer was crazy. at home. And when you could say all you want about Golden State take, taking it easy on them or whatever, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because you don't look back at Golden State's you know, nine, ten losses this year and say, well, they took it easy that night, so that counts as a win. No, it doesn't. It's the wins and losses. So, uh, basically, they were doing that. They had, uh, he made a lot of moves, a whole lot of moves, mm-hmm. uh, to turn uh, what people kind of criti- critiqued him for saying, calling them assets. He was really calling uh, future draft picks and the opportunity to get better assets. People thought he was calling players assets, which is a very businessy thing to do. Right, yeah. And, like, kind of dehumanizes it all, but... Um, and one of the, his main critiques was that he didn't have people skills, which is probably fair. Okay. Um, but he never wanted to, you know, spend his way to the middle, basically. So, ideally, you would be better off further along now than you wanted than they are. Did he have uh, Did he have a timetable or the There was no official timetable laid out uh, ever, really. <laughs> Because uh, it felt like he was just kept kicking the can down the road. Correct. Uh, for people to say, people have said that. Um, I think the best uh, timetable that was ever put on it was put up by Dr. J. Uh, <laughs> I believe right before this season started, and he said that someone within the organization had told him at one point that it was a five to seven year plan. This is year three. It's not even a full three. He didn't even have the job for a full three calendar years. Okay. So um, it was on its way, and this this summer was going to be the turning point. Now the league, uh, Adam uh, uh, Adam Silver, uh, yeah, yes, had to hate this. Yes, most likely. Yeah, there are uh, rumors on whether or not Adam Silver acted on behalf of other GMs, on behalf of himself, on behalf of the league, or at all uh, when they hired uh, a man named Jerry Colangelo. Yeah, explain this. So he he got like a guardian or something, right? So about this is in December. After all this, they they you know they took a lot of draft picks. Uh, Joel Embiid, who is kind of the the golden goose of the whole thing, is uh, he going to be the legit star? You think? He's the he's the he's if you had to put all your eggs in the basket of anyone they have, he's the guy. Okay, and he's playing in Europe. No, he's the one who's injured. Dario okay. Saric is the one who's playing in Europe. Okay, but uh, Joel Embiid had a navicular bone fracture in his foot uh, that did not heal properly, so he's now on a second. This is a second full season of not playing after being drafted. Uh, there are many reasons for those problems. One of them probably being that when he was drafted, he was. Seven foot, and now he's seven two. Uh-huh. Uh, but the reason why he's such a supreme talent, uh, many reasons, is that he coming out of college was compared to someone like Hakeem Olajuwon, and Joel Embiid first touched a basketball about six years ago. Oh, okay, uh, so he's just naturally gifted. Sure. Uh, so he's the guy right now who has the best ability to turn the team around and to kind of save him, Sam Hinkie's legacy. Uh, if he turns into the superstar, then you, people will look back and say that Hinkie was right. Okay. Uh, so in December, uh, either frustrated with how the lack of progress or um, being pressured by Adam Silver and supposedly other GMs about the lack of money coming in when the Sixers came to town, which can be disputed by attendance numbers fairly easily, but yeah. um, the, the the owners of the Sixers, no matter who contacted who first, uh, specifically Joshua Harris, who was basically the face of the ownership, and him and his partner, David Blitzer, are the major owners, um, talked to Adam Silver and were... They agreed, 
<laughs> whether who urged who is a question, uh, that someone should be brought in to help guide this thing along a little bit better. And because Sam Hinkie, with his people skills shortcomings, did not have great uh, um, relationships with the agents and players, so when the time came to bring free agents here, they weren't entirely sure if he was the guy to be in charge then. Sure. Fair. So they bring in Joey Colangelo, who is a basketball lifer. He's the chairman of USA Basketball. He used to own the Phoenix Suns. He actually, he founded the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's like Arizona sports, you know, if, if they could rename the city of Phoenix Colangelo and everyone would be totally cool with it on the sports side of things. Gotcha. So they brought him in um, and he came in as the chairman of basketball operations. <laughs> now, before they brought him in, Sam Hinkie was the president of basketball operations, which was the highest uh, title under, yeah. on, on the basketball side of things. Above him is CEO and owners. Right. So they put this chairman title to put it in between the owners and the the. It's got to piss anybody off. Correct. Now they had a very awkward introductory press conference with the owner Josh Harris and Sam Hankey and Jerry Colangelo. Jerry Colangelo, who is seen as kind of old old timer, he's seventy six years old. He lives in Phoenix. He's only been in the Philadelphia about five or six times. <laughs> uh, so people think he either skypes in or phone calls in or, or whatever he does. So he came in, and. No major changes were made. They signed Ish Smith, who was a point guard they had last year, or they traded for Ish Smith. They had him last year, came in, you know, played really well, and then he kind of, you know, came back to the mean of, of what his ability yeah. is. Uh, there was all this talk about needing to get a veteran presence, so they signed Elton Brand, who is nice nostalgia, but he's Elton Brand. He's 37 years old, and he's going to retire after this year. Right. And he wasn't playing for anybody. So, fast forward to a couple of days ago. Um... And um, I'm laying on my couch, <laughs> and I get a phone call from my brother who says... Well, wait, uh, uh, is this... We have, have we got the hinkies? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. I, fast forward a little bit, we can always go back to some stuff. So, that says, your boy's resigned, and I said, hang, I gotta hang up the phone, I gotta work now. So, <laughs> and the thing was that Sam Hinkie uh, officially stepped down from his position as a president of basketball operations GM. He, he supposedly sent that 13-page letter to ownership, which... The hilarious thing about that is Will and Jada Smith are part owners, and I wonder if they opened that email. Uh, <laughs> I want to know Will Smith's... You know, it's actually funny, because if you read that, there's a lot of kind of gobbledygook language in there, and it kind of reminds me... I'm like, I wonder if he thought Jaden wrote that. So <laughs> He would have opened it if it said Scientology. Yes. So then there was a question of, what now? And then it basically immediately came out that the Sixers were looking to bring in someone else at Sam Hinkie's level, or above Sam Hinkie. Uh, and Hinkie would either be expected to relinquish his duties and step aside, but stay in the organization as a quote-unquote analytics guy, Ugh. or be basically co-GM with someone where, who knows, right? Okay. Uh, so when you hear that, you're like, it's understandable. I would have stepped down in that position too. These guys uh, made their billions who own the team running companies. Would they have ever expected to bring someone as a co-CEO under somebody and expect that CEO to stick around with a lesser title? They wouldn't. Uh, yet they, they acted like they were the most surprised people in the world that Sam Hinkie quote-unquote quit on the team. Yeah. Uh, when he was basically given another option and pushed out. And then it comes that the guy that they were looking to bring in as a quote-unquote co-GM uh, is a guy named Brian Colangelo. What an interesting last name he has. Yeah, it's, it just so <laughs> happens he's the son of newly minted chairman Jerry Colangelo. <laughs> Uh, and in the press conference introducing Brian as a new GM, Josh Harris, the owner, said, you know, we didn't really consider the optics. He was the best candidate available. <laughs> and Jerry took himself out of the search for the GM, which 
could not be, without a doubt in my mind, more of a lie. Right. It just so happens <laughs> that the one guy that you thought was the best guy for the team, after interviewing either somewhere between 70 or two candidates. Right. Um, 70 was the, the number, the talking points they were given for season ticket holders. And then Josh Harris said, it doesn't really matter how many. It's insulting to ask how many. He's like, no, it's reasonable. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happens to be the guy's son. So then Sam Hinkie would have either been relegated to a side desk job somewhere or been in between a Colangelo sandwich with basically no deciding power because you're going up against a guy and his dad. Right, yeah, right. Uh, so completely understandable why he stepped down. Mysteriously as well, when they hired Brian Colangelo, Jerry Colangelo stepped down because I guess his work here was done. Uh, so he is now just an advisor to ownership. <laughs> just catching a check. Uh, yeah, so he, he he came in, did what he had to do, got his son hired, and, and bounced. All right, so now with that whole fucked up situation, yeah. um, where do the... Where do the Sixers stand? Do they? I mean, they 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 have. I guess, it looks like they have a lot of draft picks. They have a plethora of of uh, options going forward. There is, uh, and that is all thanks to Sam Hinkie. And it's actually kind of great for uh, Sam Hinkie's supporters or people who trusted the process because from this point forward, if it fails miserably, it's Colangelo's fault. Okay. If it succeeds, it's because Hinkie laid the groundwork. All right. So it's really, you can't do anything unless Joel Embiid never plays, and you're like, all right, well, that was a bad pick by Hinky. But also, at the same time, best player available, highest upside, got to kind of make that pick. Sure. So what they've really done is kind of given the people who are anti-ownership at this point ammunition. Uh, They have, other than a quick press release and that press conference, not said a word about it, uh, they have been, you know, and, and, and mind you, they were they were bad for so long. We, you understand this. They yeah. were not selling out the arena. But the people who were going were going because they believed in this idea of trying to be great in but they, but the three face years of in a, a row. They've gotten worse. True. Um, and the thing is that the you know, it's for example, I'll make, I'll make the Phillies comparison. Are the Phillies this year a worse baseball team than last year? Mm, probably. probably yeah. 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 But are they in better shape going forward? And are you more excited to watch them this year? Yes, they're in good, absolutely. Yeah, seem to be moving now. If it was three years in a row, it might be harder, especially with baseball a much longer season. Yeah, uh, and it did get hard to watch these games. I'm an avid supporter of the process. I there was a lot of games where I just chose not to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were you know things that came up over and over again. It's like oh, they blew a lead in the third quarter again. I guess they do all all the time. But part of the key in in looking at the, in the long run of this all is you look at key players. Like you look at oh, Michael Franco is great. He's going to be great. And sure, the people batting around him in the lineup might be not be amazing, but by the time Franco is great, those guys are going to be here anyway. Right. So you look at individual players' contributions. You look at individual players' growth. And it seems like basketball will be an easier prospect because you got a 15-man roster. Yeah. So once you get three good guys, you can attract right. three more good guys. It's It's got to be the easiest draft in all professional sports. There's okay. two rounds. Most teams have two picks. Uh, you have basically a pool of 60 dudes. Now explain... Like, it's not just a straight lottery. Worst team no. gets more the mm. most ping-pong balls. It's because I was reading that uh, that the Sixers have the Kings pick unless yes. the Kings opt to this. Right. So the, the way the lottery works is that every team in the lottery gets X amount of four number combinations. And they pick first pick first, second pick, and then third pick. And then outside of the top three, it goes in remaining um, record order. Uh, what? So if you have the worst record in yes. the entire league, the worst pick you can get is fourth. 
Because three teams can jump you, but then you land in the four spot. Okay. So that way you can't be the worst team and get the fifth or the thirteenth. So pick, you can't intentionally end. tank to get a guaranteed number one pick. No, but you also can't get worse than a four if you're the worst team. All right, gotcha. Uh, now the idea being that most drafts at any sport are top heavy. If you're doing, you know, if everything goes right, you know, it's it's you can get you know in baseball and 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 football, you can get a superstar in the third round, but that's you know mostly luck, right? You know. Uh, in basketball, you, you have these guys who've played, you know, a, a certain amount of games in front of you where, and basketball is a sport where it's so much relying on individual skill than anything else. You don't need to rely on, is the pitching against them bad or right. the defense and football bad? It's, it's individual skill. Uh, so the idea being, um, if you have so many shots at the top, you can get those guys. And what Sam Hinkie did is. He took someone like Michael Carter-Williams, who was a decent player, got Rookie of the Year in, in a weak year. Right. They realized he wasn't going to be a great player, and they turned him, they traded him to in, in a multi-team deal and ended up getting what's going to be either the Lakers pick this year or the Lakers pick next year, essentially. Okay. Because top three protected. Lakers are currently the second worst team. So if they get bumped out of lottery into the four spot, the Sixers get their pick. Okay. And with the Kings, what they got is what's called a pick, what's a pick swap. So if... The Kings somehow jump in front of the Sixers in the lottery. Say the Kings get that magic four-number combination. They end up with a number one pick. We can just take that, and they can, they get our pick. Okay. And they have that next year as well. And mm-hmm. then they have a future for, I think in 2019, they have a first-round pick of the Kings as well because the Kings are an incredibly awfully run organization that has no idea what they're doing. Okay. Um, which is what the Sixers hopefully will not become. So, um... You were you were a fan. You trusted the process. I did, yes. And it's been hard and I realize that it's it's people there are people who think this is the only way it's going to work, and that's not accurate. There are a couple of ways to do it. Uh I think this is probably the smartest way, but the most painful way. Okay. And at best it's just you're giving yourself that extra what was uh the extra two percent, wherever that book is, is about baseball statistics. When you get all these analytics and all this extra stuff, all you're getting is the extra two percent, right? And all this is all that was doing. You're giving yourself a great shot to get yourself that little half a step up to get that shot. Yeah, mathematically, give yourself right. an advantage with a lot of picks, a lot of a lot of good picks, and exactly. hopefully one or two of them. Pay and off. then even if you don't use the picks, like for example, the Lakers pick, if it doesn't convey this year or and it's going to convey next year, it's got it's got a high value to it. You can trade that for right. something great too. You can package that with something else and move it. So. um... Do you trust? I, saw, I don't know whether it was your tweet or you called him Little Jerry, and somebody posted the yeah, clip to, yeah. to the to the cockfighting yeah. Seinfeld. Um, I don't know if I trust Brian Colangelo. Okay, um, he did. He is a two-time NBA Executive of the Year. Uh, he did do some good things in his previous jobs, but also in Toronto, which people give him credit for being the architect of the team that Toronto is now. But that's the same thing as saying Sam Hinkie's architect of what the Sixers will be in five years. It right. Doesn't really mean anything. Um, he uh, was handed uh, an in his prime Chris Bosh, who became a superstar, uh, the number one overall pick, uh, where he chose Andrea Bargnani, who ended up being a bust. But you can't really, you can and can hate, hate you can and can't hate him for making that pick. Um, but then he basically traded his way to the middle. Okay. And after <clears throat> six years of 500 or sub 500 basketball, they finally cut him loose. And the story was uh, from, this was a, a sportsnet.ca report that someone on Earth three days ago, that he was too comfortable with being a 500 team. He was too comfortable with being an eighth seed, just, you know, selling out the arena 80, 85% full. Jeffrey Lurie syndrome. Right. Your team's okay, team's entertaining, not going to win anything, but we're selling tickets. Okay. And that was the fear of what the Sixers were going to become, because when Sam Hickey inherited the team, they had the people, the pieces in place to be 
an eight nine seed every year. Right. But if you're not winning the championship, or you're on the road to winning the championship, what's the, you, yeah. what's the point? Now let me ask you this. So mm-hmm. so so that's the way it's all shaken down. Yes. And do you think that it would have been easier for him to do this if if it didn't happen at a particular time when the Phillies, Flyers, yes. and Eagles off? One hundred percent. Okay. And I also want to acknowledge that it's entirely possible and fairly reasonable to say that um, for the ownership to say, listen, we really like what Sam Hickey did in the three years here. He set us up for success in the future. We love that. But we think at this point in time, it's time to start turning those draft picks and assets into players and attract free agents. And maybe he's not the right guy to do that. That's fine. But if you're going to say that and you're going to think that, fire the guy. Yeah. Say, we, the owners, thank him for his service. He did a great job for us here. But we think it's time to part ways and move with someone who can build a better team. We would like to fire it's like Sam Hickey. when a girl breaks up with you by right. starting to date another guy. Put your name on it. Yeah. Don't, don't be, I, 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 on our podcast, which is not posted yet, I burned all bridges with Sixers PR department by calling <laughs> uh, David Blitzer, Josh Harris, and CEO Scott O'Neill. I believe the exact quote was fucking cowards. <laughs> so, but if you're going to, if you're going to not want a guy around anymore, fire him. All right. You're, you're billionaires. You didn't get to be billionaires by hiding behind a curtain and waiting for people to resign. Right. Put your name on it and say, you yeah, know billionaires what? love the fire people. They, they love the fire shit. people. Yeah. So why not do that and then say, you know what? We're a week from the end of the season. Take to say, take it a month back. Don't go on this behind the scenes thing to bring Brian Colangelo in. Cut ties with Sam Hickey then. Use this last month and like first few weeks of the offseason to find the right GM candidate. Show that you're interviewing people. Show that you're looking around. Bring the guy in before the NBA draft and then this is his regime. Okay. But doing it in the shady way, bringing in the guy's son, never actually showing any evidence that you interviewed more than like two or three people right. probably. It's the absolute worst way to do it. And the thing is too, a report just came out today that being the chairman of basketball operations for the 76ers, the NBA restricted some of Jerry Colangelo's USA basketball powers because other GMs were concerned he would use those strings to get superstars to come to Philadelphia. Right. So they restricted some of his powers there. So he huh. signed on here, got some of his powers taken away from USA Basketball, did his behind-the-scenes elbowing out of the way, got his son hired. So he took all of that, all those those hits and punches, just to get his son a job. And the thing is, too, another report came out saying that when he, they first reached out to Jerry Colangelo to hire him for this chairman position, he said, uh, you know, I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm out here in Arizona, I'm running USA Basketball, I'm fine, you should hire my son Brian. As your GM. <laughs> and they said no. And they, he said it three times. You should hire Brian. And they said no. So he said, fine, I'll take the job. And then mysteriously, months later, Brian's hired. That's, this stinks. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing smells. The thing is, too, and I, I've talked to a bunch of people. I mean, there are the obsessives who, you know, will hate anything. And, and you got to start thinking about it reasonably. I'd be okay with if they fired and put the name on it and said, this is, you know, this is what we think. Right. And then had their search. But the way they've gone about it has been the grimiest, dirtiest thing I think I've ever seen. You know, it's like if in three years, Matt Klintak's whole situation in, with the Phillies is not working out. All of a sudden he steps down and you're like, oh, what's going on there? And like, oh, we hired uh, Montgomery's kid to run the team now. But don't worry, he's the best candidate. It's like, no, I don't believe you for a second. He's the guy in charge. Now his son's running it. And then the guy like mysteriously left for it. <laughs> he quit on the team. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and if like, like if they had done it the right way, people would still be... You know, tentatively on board, I might be a little bit mad, but they did it the absolute. They made a left turn every place they should have made a right turn. Okay, and they're at the point now where 
people are wearing Sam Hinkie t-shirts to the games and being asked to remove them before I they saw that. I saw that. Yeah. It's just. It's I only a, became a fan after I, you know, I didn't pay yeah. attention, but but now I'm a, I'm a big Hinky fan now. To use to use one of Josh Harris's words, the optics are just atrocious. Yeah, it's yes. really really bad. Okay, so um, uh, uh, thank you for coming by and explain that to me. I feel I feel a lot better. Of course. And uh, my my fans who like to hear about songwriters and songwriting are just really pissed at this. this well, this, they should this. know that there's uh, the the draft day is coming up. They have, Sixers have at least three first round picks. Might have four. Nice. Uh so. Things are looking on the up and up a so little bit. What, just make a make a bold predict, prediction for mm-hmm. this for the sixteen seventeen Sixers. How many wins? More than ten. Oh yeah. Well, okay. last year when it looked like Joel Embiid was going to play, I put it at somewhere in the mid twenties range. Okay. Uh, and now if Joel Embiid plays again, they have Dario Saric coming over from Turkey, who was voted uh, EuroLeague's best young player twice, uh, an incredible um, prospect. Uh, people say if he was in this draft, he'd probably fall in like the six seven range. Okay, you have a top, at least one top four pick, and then two picks in the twenties, which you can pack. So how many wins? People, I'll say twenty six and a half. I put the over and under at. Okay, so that's still not a playoff team. But, no, but, but you're but on your way up. Twice as good as yeah, you were this you're, year. You're, you're, but you put that. You got twenty six and a half wins. Sure. Salary cap makes a huge jump up next year. Okay. You got some free agents coming in. You can turn that twenty six and a half win team. Into a forty-five win team in one season. All right, and then go up from there. So, so moving in the right direction. Moving in the right direction. You got to be careful what moves you make and what contracts you give out, but moving in the right direction. Okay, and are the Phillies going to lose a hundred this year? No, I think they will lose between eighty-eight and ninety. Yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. That that year that we did the uh, uh, we did the, for celebrity, we did the Phillies preview. Mm-hmm. I said seventy-five. Yeah. Seventy fucking five, man. Yeah, I know you I hit it on the nose. I was way off. Yeah, I don't know what I said, but I remember I was being way off, and you hit it on the nose. I don't, I don't remember at all because I only care about what I wrote. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it's on the nose. I think I was off by maybe like ten to twelve. I think I was yeah. off by. Yeah, yeah. not so great. You gave you gave him the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, well, cool, Jim Adair uh, from Crossing Broad. What's yeah. the podcast called? Uh, it's Crossing Streams. It's hosted on CrossingBroad.com, and it's on. Uh, the iTunes and all that junk too. Cool. It's me, my boss, and this guy named John Barchard who writes about the Eagles as well. Cool. Uh, he's got an amazing radio voice, so he's nice to listen to as well. Nice. Do that, and uh, your uh, 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 busted tees optionalities. Optionalities. It's on tpublic.com. Yes. On Twitter at optionalities. O p t i o a. O p t i o n a l i t e e s. Ah, I get it. It's a pun. Yes. There you go. Yeah, Our top seller is currently a. Uh, Grecian bust with the head of Sam Hickey. I saw that. So. That's very good. Yeah. That's very good. That's, some of those are very, very clever. Mm. Thanks for coming by. I really appreciate course, you taking the time. You and that is where the Sixers are at. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, folks. We're going to go out with um, uh, something from a friend of the podcast, John Burns, uh, a, a song from John Burns' new record. Uh, uh, John Burns just released a record. Uh, as you know, he, he was on the podcast a, a while ago, and this is a song from him. You had a party and a place. That went on for days And all the while I'm amazed Another body in the way There's a thousand lies been told Some brand new, some
up way too drunk Some girl always ends up way too high Some girl always ends up getting dumb Some girl always ends up crying Oh